Welcome to Education Beat. I'm Ann Vasquez, CEO of EdSource. For young people who have been incarcerated, it can be hard to find a job or to get the training they might need to find a career or to go to college. A program in California is trying to change that. It's called the Youth Job Corps, and it places people ages 16 to 30 in jobs for a few months or up to a year. It helps them prepare for careers that they may not otherwise be able to access. Thinking that they could just jump back into society, it doesn't work like that. It's no way you can go away for 30 years and then come home and just go into employment. How does this career preparation program help people re-enter society? Here is this week's Education Beat with host Zadie Stabley. Kalen Carter spent three years in prison in Virginia. And then he got in trouble again. He turned himself in in California. And here, his probation officer referred him to a landscaping job. At the time, Kalen was feeling hopeless, and he didn't have high expectations for the new job giving him new opportunities. When I first came in, I was stagnated, like very stagnated. I was like, this is just taking time out of my day. But eventually, Kalen realized the job was good. Healing even, to work outside in the open air with the soil. It helped me because I have severe depression. So it helps when I'm working on plants and stuff like that. It's getting in tune with the earth, basically, for me. He says you can see the change after you clean up a space. You see clean grass, clean dirt, trees. Like It's just, when you see it, it brings peace. And it wasn't just the work. His new managers and co-workers at Rubicon Landscape Group genuinely cared about how he was doing. They offered to help him with anything they could, even talked with him about how he could make better choices in the future. They helped me just change my mind state, basically. Like, it, when, when you walk through the door, you can tell, like, the presence. They greet you when you walk in and... How are you doing? They wanted to actually communicate. It been multiple times that I came in here and told them about something, and they gave me different scenarios or different outcomes that I could have choose from to make a better decision. This is Education Beat, getting to the heart of California schools. This week, helping formerly incarcerated people land on their feet. The landscaping company Kalen works for, Rubicon Landscape Group, offers an 18-week vocational training program where young adults under age 30 who've been incarcerated can learn about horticulture and landscaping. This is in the city of Richmond, north of Oakland. It's part of a bigger state program called the Californians for All Youth Jobs Corps. My colleague Betty Marquez Rosales wrote about the program for EdSource. She also interviewed Kalen and a re-entry coach who works with him, who you'll hear a little later in the episode. Hi, Betty. Hi, Zadie. So, Betty, tell us, what is this Youth Job Corps? So the Youth Job Corps is part of uh, California Volunteers. It's a state office. And there are a few different course programs, right? This one in particular focuses on youth um, and young adults who are ages 16 to 30 
and they might have faced some particular challenges throughout their lives. And so they would receive priority consideration to access this Job Corps program. They might have been low income, they might be um, in the foster care system, or they might be impacted by the juvenile justice system. And so this isn't available in every single city across California. There is a list of participating cities and, and counties. So Betty, we know that having a job helps people stay out of trouble and not end up behind bars again. Why else is it important for people who've been incarcerated in the past to have this kind of employment opportunity? When I've spoken with any youth, young adults with, with those experiences in their lives, and, and really what I've also heard from researchers and, and school staff has been that there are so many barriers that they have faced in their lives that a lot of the time, school, career, any pathway of that sort doesn't tend to take priority, right? When you need certain basic necessities in your life, you might be focused more on that than on figuring out what you might want to do in terms of a career, what you might want to major in school, or you might not even have time to go to school because you have to work or maybe support your family. And isn't it also hard to get hired after you've been in incarcerated? Right. That That's exactly right. There are challenges with getting hired. And, you know, part of it might be because of stigma regarding anybody with those types of experiences in their background. And part of it might also be that they might not have some of those skills that that maybe other youth that that stayed in school might have. Right. They, they might not know really how to put together a resume, perhaps, you know, those very basic foundational aspects of a job search. They simply might not have had somebody guiding them in terms of figuring out how to to apply um, and, and figuring out where to look, right? Those very basics that that we come across when on a job search, when trying to figure out what we might want to do for the rest of our lives, right? When we think of those young adult years, they might just simply not have had those, those guides in their lives. Betty, what kinds of jobs do youth get to try out in this program? There's a variety of options for them, and it really does come down to where they live, if their city or county is participating in the program. It could be landscaping, community beautification programs. It could be working at City Hall if they're interested in a city government job, in a state government job. It might be working at a local technology center, working with other youth, for example, perhaps younger youth, right? You know, some cities, for example, the city of Maywood in Los Angeles County, it's southeast of of LA County, they asked their service members what they were interested in, and they tried their best to accommodate those service members. And so one of them ended up working at a technology center, like I mentioned. Another ended up working at City Hall because she wanted to study political science. And so most of the time, from what I heard, it really comes down to what the service members are interested in, but it also comes down to what the city or county is, is, is able to provide based on what they see the biggest need is. So this program doesn't just focus on employment then. It, it looks at getting people in touch with other basic services, right? It does. And so part of the Youth Job Corps funding that the participating cities and counties receive, a portion of that does go toward some other form of wraparound services. Now, this could look like connecting them with housing support. This could look like connecting them with food support. Um, it could look like 
financial education. It, it might look like resume workshopping. It really does depend on the area, but it, it does incorporate other adjacent services that might help them on their way to becoming you know, stable in their job. And they do tend to come along with mentorship as well, because say, for example, Kaylin, he works with Ebony Richardson. She's the reentry coach who works with Rubicon. And, and she is really in charge of making sure that the young men who are part of Rubicon through the Job Corps program, that they have what they need in order to be successful. And, and that really comes down to making sure they have their basic needs covered. Ebony Richardson says the people she coaches in Rubicon's landscaping program in Richmond get specialized job training so they can earn a living. And not just in landscaping. They also get other certifications like CPR or to work as flaggers on construction sites. But she says her job is also about making sure they have a place to live, an ID, that they know how to use public transportation. A lot of times we get people who come home from mass incarceration and the whole thinking that they could just jump back into society, it's, it's, it doesn't work like that because it's no way you can go away for 30 years and then come home and just go into employment. It's so much more that's needed. Technology has changed, um, bus routes has changed, street signs have changed. Just so much has changed. And I feel like we, we're here to help navigate that aspect and to make it a, a smoother transition back into society. When Ebony sees something is bothering one of the people she coaches, she checks in with them. We kind of pull them to the side and we don't pry. It's kind of like you, what you want to share, you know, share. If not, it's, it's fine. But that's what we're here to do as coaches. That's our job to make sure the social services part of this is taken care of. That's mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, however we can support it, that's what, that's what I'm here for. She says that beyond just adjusting to all the changes outside of prison, formerly incarcerated people often have mental health challenges that can be a barrier to thriving in their new lives. That's one of the biggest things for me. I try to push mental health services on everybody who, who comes home just because we don't know what it's like for you personally in that uh, being locked away, whether it's two years, 30 years, we don't know. Uh, what you dealt with, what you fought. So I feel like the mental health aspect of it is always important. Um, and, and just to just helping navigate that transition back into the world, just seeing those who do come home and stick with us. So, Betty, in addition to all of the employment training and the wraparound services to re-enter society, is there some hope that these young people might end up going back to school, too? It is the hope that perhaps they might also be interested in higher education. You know, once they're able to get those basic needs covered, right, being able to, to pay for their housing, pay for food, pay for transportation, any other basic needs that they might have, that they might consider higher education because this might be the only time that they've been able to actually consider it. Really, anyone who has had a very unstable youth, right? If they may have been in the foster care system, if they grew up low income and, and didn't have all of their basic needs met, school isn't and can't always be the main priority. It doesn't mean that they weren't interested in school, right? But 
they didn't have that foundation that was stable enough for them to to prioritize school at that point in their lives. And the idea with this program is to ideally stabilize them enough so that they can begin to think about potentially higher education if that's something that they want to go down. Something that really stood out to me is that the Youth Jobs Corps is focused on helping the community as a whole, like doing good. Like Rubicon, the business Kaylin is working for, has a real focus on environmental sustainability. And the program says that it tries to find jobs that focus on mitigating climate change, helping stop hunger, and recovering from COVID-19. What is it like for these young people to be giving back in that way, doing something positive? When I was talking to Josh Friday, he's the chief service officer. He oversees the California Volunteers Program. And he mentioned that a lot of the times, and he gave Maywood as an example, a lot of the time these are communities where you really have to drive out of your home area to be able to find employment, to be able to find something that pays a little bit higher, to really be able to support your family if that's the situation that you're in. And so something that he heard in Maywood a young person said, I just never thought I had something positive to contribute to my community. And I never thought I would be able to lift up my community while also supporting my family at the same time. And this program is something that it ended up being what they needed to be able to have both things at the same time and be able to still work and live in their own community rather than always having to leave the area to be able to sustain themselves. Ebony loves to see when the young people she works with get their first paycheck. Because then it's like, okay, what you going to do with it? I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And then they get that money and it's like, wow, it's humbling almost. It's a whole different spark. She says they also help each other. I think they really just lean on each other a lot. They know each other's struggles. I think they know each other's weaknesses by now. And they've, they've also learned each other's strengths. Kaylin says working at Rubicon has given him a community and a way to rebuild his life. Without them, I wouldn't be able to go forward. When you can't provide it, it, it puts you in a bad place. So being able to go to work every day and see a shape or, or some kind of payment at the end of the week, it's, it's comfortable. It feels comfortable to be able to provide, to buy stuff that you need hygiene products. You don't have to go and ask someone to do it for you. You can just go and get it yourself. It might sound crazy, but Rubicon has been basically like a safe haven for me. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Education Beat, getting to the heart of California schools a production of EdSource. You can find Betty's story at edsource.org and in our episode notes. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Special thanks to our guests, Kaylin Carter, Ebony Richardson, and Betty Marquez-Rosales. Our CEO is Anne Vasquez. Our theme music is from Blue Dot Sessions. This episode was brought to you by the California Wellness Foundation and the Stewart Foundation. I'm Zadie Stavely. Join us next week and subscribe so you won't miss an episode.